So first of all, with SEO, I always find that what people think SEO is is so outdated. Like for instance, people are, are obsessed with keywords. Like, you know, what are the keywords we're using? You know, what are my customers searching? And, you know, keywords do play a role, but I feel like the way things used to be, like in the 90s, the early 2000s with, with SEO, it was all about keywords. But mm-hmm. people stopped noticing when that started switching. And SEO, I mean, it stands for search engine optimization, but people don't ever think about the optimization piece of it. They're always just thinking about the search engine piece. So they're just like keywords, keywords, keywords. But the optimizing part comes from how those search engines have changed, how you're going to show or what's important to the consumer. And one way that has changed is through content. It's not so much the importance of the keywords anymore. Yeah, there's, there's value in those, but it's really about if I search something and Google shows me some relevant result and I click on that, is, is there going to be content there that keeps my attention, that drives me through some call to action and actually has me, you know, cre- helps me create a decision for that business so that I'm converting for them. Hello, and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Together, Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. Generate Your Value podcast. Thank you for joining us this happy Tuesday. Joined with me is, of course, my co-host, Andy McDowell. Yeah, on a rainy Tuesday. I mean, it's still happy. I can still be happy. Yeah, it's going to rain all week, too. Yeah. It's all perspective. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) it's a payback for having, like, what, 10 10 wonderful days of sunshine and fall weather. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you for joining the podcast here. Generate your value. I'm Andy McDowell, your other co-host, along with Zach. Today, we have two guests with us to talk about a wonderful subject called marketing and everything marketing. So let me do an introduction. We have Tracy Moore with Rev Local. Both of the, our guests are with Rev Local, a marketing company. We'll let them tell you something about themselves and their company and we also have one of her colleagues, Rob Knighton. So who wants to go first? Rob, you yeah, want to yeah. start off with uh, who Rev Local is and what, what your role is within the company? Yeah, absolutely. So Rev Local, in a nutshell, is a local digital marketing company. So could probably best describe us by our mission statement, which is to uh, help business owners gain and retain customers in the face of rapid change while creating an environment where people flourish. So 
very proud to work there. I definitely feel like a an employee that flourishes uh, through RevLocal over the years. So I've been there for four years now. I am currently a lead digital marketing strategist, which means that my role is to connect the clients that I have, the customers uh, of RevLocal to uh, the teams behind me that help execute the strategies. So I will work with my clients to find their goals, set expectations, and then communicate those things to our teams so that we can execute those things uh, and get them to the goals that they have. Hi, I'm Tracy Moore. I am a senior sales consultant in the Atlanta market. I have been with RevLocal actually for nine years this week. I started as a consultant, moved over to a team lead, moved into a sales area lead, moved into a regional manager. I helped launch the Atlanta market about nine years ago, helped open up Knoxville and Chattanooga over the years. But in the last year, my role went back from management over into sales because that is honestly my passion is helping the small to medium-sized business navigate their way through this online changing world. So my passion is honestly sitting down with small to medium-sized businesses and really consulting and educating them on the ever-changing ways of online marketing. So that's really my passion is getting involved in the community. I've raised two kids here. My husband and I have lived here and been married for over 22 years. So really that's kind of my passion and what is my why of why I work for Rev Local, just mm-hmm. like Rob said with our mission statement, that's our goals and our focus. We're a family company. And when people come on board and become our clients, they're not just our clients, they're part of the Rev Local family. Excellent. Excellent. So why don't we start a, a discussion on exactly what is marketing and what makes marketing successful? I think particularly for small business owners that are just getting started. I would have to assume, maybe it's a bad assumption, but I have to assume that they don't fully understand exactly what marketing is and what it's out there to accomplish. So maybe that's a good place to start our discussion today. So what are what are the important success factors in marketing? I'll go ahead and start on this one. To me, marketing is in its purest form is a connection. The old ways of location, location still fit in the digital world. Main Street marketing has kind of moved online, especially in the last two years with COVID. Everybody is searching online every single day for a product and a service. They're not necessarily driving around like they used to. Offices have become more remote, but people are still wanting to engage with businesses and search for services and products. So We kind of go by, you want to be found, you want to be chosen, and you want to be easy to work with, to me, are the new success factors of marketing. So found is when somebody's searching for your products and services, do you show up? Is your business an option? When you're chosen, what sets you apart from the other people that are actually being found on that page? And what does easy to mean to be work with? So, you know, is it call to actions? Is your phone number on there? Your hours of operation? I'm sure people have been driving to somewhere that says they were open from eight to five. You get there at nine o'clock and they're now not open till 10. Those are things that sound so simple, but you would be so surprised on how many businesses don't pay attention to some of the little stuff that might frustrate a potential person. So we at RevLocal set expectations. I always like to say we underpromise. We try to overdeliver. We have many services that are offered. We try to sit down, like Rob said, with our clients and 
you know, go over their goals, but make sure they're obtainable. Budget kind of comes into place. I think the thing that sets some marketing different is that all marketing is different for every industry. So we don't say you're a restaurant, you have to have X, Y, and Z. It really depends on what the business owner is needing, what they want. So we listen to them. So that's kind of all the basic success factors in marketing. I'm sure we'll define them as we go along. Rob, is there anything that you wanted to add? Yeah, I think I I could add a few things. So I mean, I agree with with every everything that you said, but from a like a more technical aspect, like when a client comes on and and they're looking at the success because you know what the success factors are in marketing could you know that that perception could be different between like what I'm going to call success and what a client might perceive as success. So an example that might be, oh, I've been doing you know this marketing thing, whatever you know strategies we're doing for you know, a couple months now, but I'm not seeing any activity. I might, you know, I'm not, not seeing anything. So for me, that's a, an opportunity to then realign for them, like what it is we're supposed to be doing or how certain success factors like, oh, you've been getting this much uh, traffic to your site, or you've been getting this many views or other things. And then showing how those factors do connect to certain other factors like the number of leads or the foot traffic coming into their business. So, you know, baby steps. So connecting those things um, over time. So showing them that, you know, there are other factors than just the the revenue you made that month that, that says like, this has been a successful strategy. So would it be safe to say then that success in marketing is First of all, making sure that the market knows that you exist and what you have to offer and what you're about and your why and those type things. But secondly, once that's accomplished is to get to the call to actions, you know, whether it be filling out a form or placing a phone call or visiting your website for more information on your business or your offerings or something of that nature are ways to understand whether or not you're your marketing campaign is successful. Would that be a true statement? Yeah. So yeah, as Tracy said, like it, you could boil all of this down to easy to find, easy to work with. So mm-hmm. if you've, and, and you know, there's a lot of technical things to go behind those things, but that's, I think a really good way of summarizing what uh, success looks like. And the strong input into the building of your brand. Cause if you're talking about experience and trust, Ease of use and those things are all major inputs into a brand, correct? Absolutely. It was funny. I had a friend of mine actually text me and say, hey, this business has been around forever. And when I went in there, they weren't open. And they're like, oh, I'm trying to fix my hours on Google. I don't even know how. And, you know, it's as simple as going into your Google My Business page. Anybody else can actually go into your a person's Google My Business and recommend hours mm-hmm. and change them. And the person who manages that Google My Business, whether it's the owner or marketing company, then can approve those changes. So it's really important to have like a second set of eyes on your account because, you know, business owners don't have time to do that kind of stuff. That's why a lot of them hire us. They may dabble in it and they want to be important, but no one in nine years has ever told me, hey, I created this restaurant because I want to sit at a computer every day and, you know, get a headache from looking at online marketing. No, they want to be inside the kitchen cooking. I think that's probably, you know, why people hire us. And, you know, we offer that relationship and it's our passion for the small to medium-sized businesses. And we like to say we're affordable. So those are some good little 
you know, areas that we have to offer. Yeah. I mean, I've had people tell me like, well, I could do this myself. And so I have to respectfully challenge them and say, you're right. You could, but is that a valuable use of your time? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, don't get me started. I get into coaching all the time. <laughs> uh, where, sure. where are you truly adding value in your business? Yes. You yes. hire somebody to come in and do it for your, for you or hire a company to right. do it or whatever, uh, to take care of those things that aren't your strengths. Anyway. Exactly. Yep. So y'all, of course, I mean, Google's a huge piece, right? That that space, but what's in front of everybody's face most of the time is their phone or something like that. So things like Facebook, Instagram, social media in general, how has that changed the face of the marketing space? Rob, I'll let you start with this one because you're more of the technical side of it. Yeah, sure. So first of all, it it changes the landscape just in terms of how well social media can target people. So there's a lot of sophistication uh, and complexity that goes into uh, the profiles that these services have on people and the demographics that they can target and interest groups and all of those things. But there's another piece of it too, where you can take a piece of, of long content. So say like a, a keynote speech or something that you might deliver. And then you can break that up into relevant content for different platforms. So you could do, you know, quick images of something quotable on Instagram. You can, and you can take a video clips to share on YouTube or Facebook. So, you know, between those two things, I think that's really changed how businesses can reach consumers, especially through social media. So I come at, from a different um, aspect of it, because Rob talks to a lot of our clients. So I get to the client before they become a client. So I might meet with somebody that says, hey, uh, here you do some social media. Can you come in and talk to me about some social media for my business? And when I walk in there and I do some research on the business, I'll see that their Facebook might have five likes. They don't have an Instagram page. They don't have a Twitter. They may not even have a business uh, LinkedIn page. They might have an incomplete LinkedIn page. So yes, social media is great, but it confuses to me, in my opinion, a lot of business owners. I think in the social media aspect, if you pick on a restaurant, it's pretty straightforward. You know, it's raining today in Roswell. So you have, you know, a soup and salad or soup and sandwich combo come in on a gloomy day and you know, warm up to tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches is a little different than, you know, somebody for like a doctor or a lawyer or financial advisor or a business coach that they would find on social media. So when I look at their social media, I might then take a look at where they are on Google. Do they even have a website? Do they have a Google My Business page? Do they have any other reviews? And so a lot of people think social media has changed the world and it has, but you have to start somewhere. And to me, social media is the slowest form of your marketing. It takes a while to build that trust, build your brand online. So you kind of have to start with the foundation. 10, 15 years ago, it was a website. Now it's your local search. It's when somebody types in your name. What does that say about you right away? And that's kind of the components I look to. So I sit down, educate. I obviously want to listen to the clients, but it is my job to also educate them on the best forms of the return on investment. If you're going to pay for marketing, you want to make sure you can get that return on investment as well. So that's kind of where I start with a client. 
educate them, and then they become part of our Rev Local family, like I said. And then Rob and I get to collaborate together. So we're the marketing team behind the scenes. Clients just don't have to pay us vacation pay unless they want us. <laughs> want to, we'll take it. You know, and listening to what you're saying reminded me of another aspect of it too. And I'm sure you'll ask us uh, more about this later, but in like the SEO world, Facebook and Twitter, these rank very high in organic searches. So when businesses exist on those platforms, they're becoming easier to find without having to worry about quite so much the SEO that they're putting into their own sites. Uh, so they're able to be more easily found uh, because of the profiles that exist of their businesses on those social platforms. And, and technology, well rank. Yeah. And technology's changed a lot. I think probably for the e-commerce side, especially during COVID, you know, people are not going, weren't going to the stores as much. So Amazon prime and, you know, buy it now feature you'll see on Facebook. And now, you know, people joke about Alexa hearing things. Well, when you're on Facebook and you're searching for something, you can literally hit buy it now. It almost populates all your information. Same thing. Gyms are a great one coming up. You know, everybody's new year's resolution in three months is going to be, you know, lose weight, make more money, go to church. And so gyms will be a huge feature on there. So you'll see a lot of free passes come on board now, try this, or here's a month or a special. You'll see that populating a lot more on social platforms. So I think that's where it's helped a lot of industries for sure with the new technology that Facebook's always competing with Google on. Yeah, since we're sort of diving in, can't speak, specific. Social media platforms. Are there are there certain platforms at certain businesses and in certain industries? And I know that's a lot of certains, but I'd have to imagine the social media platforms have strengths and weaknesses. And therefore, it's not always an appropriate or a necessary fit to try and force fit four or five social media platforms into a specific business or industry. Great question. And I think, in my opinion, each platform has its own unique value props mm-hmm. and elements and weaknesses. So some have more strengths, some have more weaknesses. You need to understand what your customer's interests are, and then also what kind of attributions in their search behaviors. So that actually helps place that value on collaboration of the relationship with each platform and also each search engine. So to me, the four top ones are Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook to me is pretty much all ages, right? You know, I think it's, you have to be 13 or 16, but Mm -hmm. most teenagers lie about their age on there. So it's 13 to, you know, as old as you want to get. I think it's a good way for families to share photos and images and keep in touch with people. So that's kind of more of the business. It's also huge because you can find it on mobile and your desktop. LinkedIn, to me, 30 million companies have a profile page, but you would be so surprised on how many CEOs and presidents don't have that connection on there. So if you're going to have these platforms, my number one thing is you want to utilize them, right? Just don't create them and have no post or incomplete profile. Mm -hmm. Instagram, to me, is more for women and teenagers. They're all about their pictures and their photos, restaurants, boutiques, travel, food. They're constantly doing their Instagram stories. Twitter, you know, my son used it all the time. So that was how he got recruited for sports Mm -hmm. to play college lacrosse. That's you know, sports are big on Twitter, news trends, you know, not to get into politics, 
elections are coming up. You know, that's a big thing on there. I think the number one question that people always ask me and I laugh about it is, can you do marketing on Snapchat and TikTok? (laughs) So yeah, if you have teenagers, most moms sit there and stalk them, but it depends on what audience you really want to come into your door. So I've had some restaurants tell me that, you know, a teenager or foodie will come in and do a TikTok on some cool little feature they have. And then the line comes in the door, like as Mm -hmm. a mad rush, Well, that can almost hurt a business if it's not kind of slow and steady or you're not prepared. So there's always, like you said, strengths and weaknesses. To me, that would be a weakness. The strength is if you're going to have these profiles, definitely use them. Nothing worse than looking at somebody's Facebook page and they haven't had a post in six months. Right. That doesn't really validate their brand. See, I can't talk today either. Validate their brand or really take it to the next level. So that's kind of what I look for when I sit down with a client. Kind of another question that I'll ask is, you know, what kind of post do you think would your audience engage with? Mm -hmm. And then also the humor. So, mm-hmm. you know, Andy, you're humorous on some of your posts. It doesn't have to be so meat and potatoes strict. You want to kind of make sure that you're meshing with all your audience on there. So we always like to tell the story. Right. We want some shareable posts. So it's not about just the likes. You want it to share because that's actually how you build more audience mm-hmm. and get out there. And so that's why I always say it does take some time to build that. Rob, do you have anything to add on that? Yeah. So, you know, along with that, what you're saying, like with humorous posts or other things, like people want brands to stand for more than profit. So if that's, if all they're sharing is, you know, promotions and their products and their services, like it, you need to share those things, but you have to connect that to the human element too. Like there's a person on the other side of these posts who's thinking about, you know, the content and the audience that it goes out to. But also along the lines of what you were saying in the beginning there about attribution, like it's so important that you have an understanding of who your audience is, like who are your customers, who are you trying to sell to, and where are they at? You know, if you're if you're a, a daycare or 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 something like that, you know, maybe you want to have a LinkedIn profile to have it for the directory listening to listing, excuse me, and for you know some of that SEO value, but that's not where your audience is. People aren't looking for new childcare services on LinkedIn. So you need to make sure you have a Facebook where you can be sharing images and stories about what, what the children are doing, what the, what the school or the center offers and, and how it looks, you know, what is the atmosphere? And those could be shared to Instagram too, but you know, it's just making sure you understand where your audience is and how they want to connect with you. Uh, and focusing on those platforms so that you can avoid the strengths and weaknesses of each and you can maximize the use of the the pros and cons and use each platform uh, for those benefits. And then one thing that we didn't even talk about is YouTube. You know, YouTube's always competing up there with Google. Google is the number one search directory engine out there. YouTube always wants to say they're a close second. But during COVID, so many people looked on YouTube for do-it-yourself. You know, you have family Mm -hmm. house projects, you know, people, you didn't want people coming in your house. I know we built a fire pit outside as a family. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good thing for do-it-yourself projects. At the same time, people mess up on those and then they're calling the handymans. And so, you know, Zach and Andy, we have a mutual friend and us that have a handyman company. And so that was a good way of getting increased, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. fixing things that could happen. But, you know, YouTube used to be for funny videos and stuff, but now it's really 
businesses are incorporating some of their little 30 second tidbits, because honestly, that's how your attention span lasts, right? So after 30 seconds, you're done. So they want that little video. You could do advertisement on YouTube too. We've seen a big increase of that over the last couple of years. Yeah, I keep coming back to uh, branding. Yep. It's all about building that experience and trust levels with your customers. You know, for example, in my business, those two aspects are huge. And my social media campaigns trying to build a brand so that people know who I am and my experiences and what I bring to the table. And then, you know, we're, we're, get, we're getting into some meaty stuff in their life and in their business. So I've got to build that trust level. And that's what we work on my campaigns is to experience that within it. So uh, let's move on to another important aspect. How important we've, we've mentioned it here, SEO, how important is SEO? We'll probably tag team this one a little bit. <laughs> Rob, but I think people are always asking me, are we an SEO company? And essentially my direct answer is no. Just like Rob said in the beginning, we're a digital marketing company. Um, do we handle SEO? Absolutely. But SEO is definitely a tool that has kind of changed over the last 10 to 15 years. So typically before it would be all about your website. You want your website to show up as high as you possibly can in a search. You have a whole bunch of backlinks and, you know, things to help it go up there. But about 11 years ago, Google changed that landscape quite a bit on there with the local search SEO. So to me, there's a couple different forms of SEO. So you have local search SEO, which is your Google My Business page. Most people call it the Maps page. We talked about it a little bit beforehand. It hosts your driving directions, your call, your website. Then you have your organic SEO. So SEO is super complicated. A lot of people, um, you know, always ask that question. To me, if you're not being found at the zero moment of truth for that consumer, you're kind of not in the game. So mm. going back to that being found that we talked about earlier is I look at your online presence as a Monopoly board. So not to age ourselves, but we've all played Monopoly when we're young. You teach your kids how to play it. So the object of the game of Monopoly is to buy a whole bunch of property, have somebody land on you and pay you rent. Mm -hmm. So when somebody's searching for a service and a product and they don't actually know your business name, or maybe they forgot and they saw it, you know, a coming soon sign on a highway and they're searching, you know, for a business on Canton Street in Roswell, and they're trying to search any of the categories, you want to be found. And so where do you want to be found? Do you want to be found at the top of the page in the paid ads? Do you want to be found in the middle of the page where the map sections are? So Google did a lot of research about the center of the page. Mm -hmm. Heat studies maps like 12 years ago when I first started, you know, talking about online marketing. They did a heat study to see where your eyes go. And that's why Google took that big part of that landscape. They've changed it around. I mean, we're used to three of them now. But for those that have really paid attention over the years, Google started with a seven pack. It's kind of crazy on how they change. Below that is an organic section. So that's your website SEO. So that's also there. But again, a lot of websites don't necessarily show there. That's where more of the directories pop up. Like Rob even said, you know, Facebook pops up there, LinkedIn, especially when you're searching for like a doctor or a financial advisor, like, you know, for Zach over there, your LinkedIn profile might pop up when you're searching for that. And then the bottom part, there's also more paid ads at the bottom as well. So that's your monopoly board. So the object of the game is have people land on you essentially online, find you in multiple areas and have a better chance of somebody to call you and choose you. 
So that's kind of the SEO side to me. On a more technical aspect, you know, Rob will sit down and go over the analytics. So I'll let you touch on that a little bit more. Yeah. So first of all, with SEO, I always find that what people think SEO is is so outdated. Like for instance, people are are obsessed with keywords. Like, you know, what are the keywords we're using? You know, what are my customers searching? And, you know, keywords do play a role, but I feel like the way things used to be, like in the 90s, the early 2000s with with SEO, it was all about keywords. But Mm -hmm. people stopped noticing when that started switching. And SEO, I mean, it stands for search engine optimization, but people don't ever think about the optimization piece of it. They're always just thinking about the search engine piece. So they're just like keywords, keywords, keywords. But the optimizing part comes from how those search engines have changed, how you're going to show or what's important to the consumer. And one way that has changed is through content. It's not so much the importance of the keywords anymore. Yeah, there's, there's value in those, but it's really about if I search something and Google shows me some relevant result and I click on that, is, is there going to be content there that keeps my attention, that drives me through some call to action and actually has me, you know, cre- helps me create a decision for that business so that I'm converting for them. So that user experience and that content that exists on your site is far more important than the actual SEO element of, you know, what people think SEO is, these keywords or the various small tweaks and things you do to your site, which are all very important. But for a small business, the biggest thing you want to do is make sure you're connecting your brand, your product to your clients and or to your customers and making that experience on your site easy. So that goes back to what we said earlier, easy to find. So that's the search engine. Maybe that's some of the keywords and then easy to work with. So that's the the content. Like, is it easy for me to know that you're the right company? You're what I meant to search for. I did find the right thing. Let me go ahead and make that decision and call you and set up an appointment or purchase, you know, what you have. So that's that's how I see SEO. And that's why what what Tracy was saying, like as far as like the different kinds, you know, what I'm talking about here for local businesses is going to be way different for huge brands like Nike or uh, Adidas who want to exist in the organic space. You know, for them, it makes sense to spend thousands and thousands of dollars doing one little micro change to their site to impact how they show up in search. But for a small business, you don't have to do those things. Just make yourself uh, easy to work with, with that great content. And then just like Tracy said, with like the monopoly analogy, be be uh, existing in all those different spaces so that it's uh, almost impossible not to land on you. So of course, in today's world, the technology side is super important to most businesses, but Taking a step back under what circumstances from a marketing perspective should companies stick to a more traditional advertising approach like direct mailing and things like that and completely avoid the social media side of it? Honestly, I can't think of any that should just do direct mail only and not have any advertising online. So local search, so probably the biggest misconception is it's not a set and forget it mentality. So just because you create your brand online, you just don't leave it. You know, it's kind of fine tuning it every single month, um, adding more photos, more reviews, different things like that. As far as stay away from social media, the only time I ever recommend not having any social media is kind of going back to what we talked about before. 
don't create these pages and then never post on it. So I always use the example of a restaurant and a plumber. So a plumber is probably not going to have to post every single day, like a restaurant, Mm -hmm. right? If a restaurant's only open six days a week, then you post six days a week. There is sometimes too many posts because then you almost lose your audience or they block you and they don't want to follow you as much. So it's that fine line. We want to say on average three to four times a week, you know, maybe not so much for the plumber. Maybe that is only a once a week type of situation and it's more suggestions. So I always use a funny suggestion for a plumber. If when it gets cold outside, wrap your pipes. You know, those are shareable suggestions for a plumber. I mean, you can't talk about a toilet too much on social media, but a restaurant <laughs> has all of this. You joke, but it's true. But that's why some people think, why would I even have it? But yeah. people search all the time on those. So the mailers, I always ask the clients when they tell me, hey, I'm going to do a magazine or I'm going to do a money mail or a coupon. I ask them, how do you, what do you do with those? So when they come in your mailbox, what do you do with them? Mm -hmm. Do you open them up? What do you think your target audience would do? Do you think they're going to go into a money mailer and look for that garage door opener and hope that your garage door breaks? No. And if they do keep it in a little magazine or a little coupon magazine folder over here, what happens is that next month, that phone number is probably not going to work because they're called tracking numbers. So then they have to look up that person online and then goes back to validating your brand. Just like you said, Andy, Mm. the big thing about your brand is you want to have that consistent information. You want to have the reviews for somebody to trust you. So I always look at that part. I turn it back on them. How do they search? And where do you think your clients are searching? So if you think it's in the magazines, great. I'm guilty. I have a local Mexican restaurant that throws in a 15% off coupon. Why not use it? You know, but that's repeat clients. So if that's all you want to do is stay kind of front and center with the same clients, then sure, do the print. But if you want new business, you're probably going to need to search online. I have a lot of businesses that do residential and commercial, and that's where they do love the print. And it kind of goes hand in hand with the online. So we never say don't do it. We just need to do it wisely. If you're going to do it, do it wisely, make sure your budget's there, and then pay attention to kind of what your return on your investment is. I mean, that's our big thing with analytics. If you're paying for a service, you want to know what you're getting out of that service. I probably get that question more than Rob, because by the time they come to Rob, they're already a Mm -hmm. client and they believe in online marketing a little bit more. But, you know, sometimes they'll Ask Rob that question too. Hey, what do you think of this? So do you have anything to add on that, Rob, or did I cover it pretty much? You covered it pretty well. There is an aspect uh, to it where I get that question a different way. So to me, it comes to me as, well, I don't really need digital marketing because I get all my business through word of mouth. So, you know, my, my newest customers aren't coming to me because they're searching for a new service or a new product on Google, which could be true, but that's not the only thing that marketing or even local search specific marketing is doing for you. You know, part of it is making sure you're being found, but it's also a really good validator too, because people will say, you know, well, I get all my business through word of mouth, but that's what reviews on Google are. They're just the online version of, of word of mouth. You know, if you tell me like, Hey, if I need a lawyer and, and you say, Hey, you got to use this lawyer or, you know, this uh, service that I use. 
you know, I'm going to validate them on Google. I'm going to go read the reviews, maybe look at their site, you know, and potentially still choose them because of that recommendation that came from a friend. But, you know, I still got to get their phone number. I still got to know or maybe fill out a form to have them reach out to me to set up an appointment. So it's still really important that you're still existing in the online space in that way, even if you don't believe that's how your customers are finding you. So it goes back to that attribution understanding of how people are looking for you. But same thing as Tracy in the beginning, like I don't really know if I can think of an example of where you should just avoid social media unless you're just, you know, you know, maybe that's a policy you can't have social media for your company or something like that. But, uh, you know, aside from maybe something like that, or in the case that Tracy said, where you're just not going to use it, can't think of any reason why you wouldn't want it. So what if a small business owner was interested in looking to outsource their needs relative to to marketing, social media, so forth. What do you think are the important questions they should be asking companies? What aspects or keywords, for example, they might want to see on said company's website? You know, what what things do you feel like would make them be successful in finding a partner or a family member, so to speak, it's on the marketing side to help them out? Probably my favorite question. So this is probably what I'm super passionate about. I've heard some crazy stories. So I've been in marketing, not to age myself, over 25 years. I actually graduated with a marketing and finance degree. I'm super passionate about marketing. I love to try all the new products. I'm guilty of it. When I see the new products on the shelf, I'm always trying to see it. I love football. I always watch the commercials back in the day when we had more commercials on for Super Bowl, (laughs) all the new products that are coming out, you know, times have changed. So now I see the new products or new businesses on Facebook. So I think for me, probably the number one thing that people are always looking for is trust. You know, they've been lied to before. They might've been steered in a different direction. This is probably the side of my business that gets me sad because, you know, business owners invest a lot of money, sometimes a retirement fund to create a business that they're super passionate about. And they get steered in a different direction from people that are just quote unquote, trying to sell them something. So yes, we are in sales. I don't really love to be called a salesperson. I like to be called more of a consultant and an educator because my job isn't really to sell you something. My job is to educate you on what the best forms for your business of marketing can be. So in order to do that, you've got to listen. So, you know, listening is big. Trust, you know, making sure that they have involvement on their page. So you can look at, you know, are they better business for what's their reputation? So we talk about a lot of the client's reputation, but what is the marketing's reputation? What kind of associations are they part of? How long have they been in business? Are they a nationwide company? Industry specific, I don't really... I get that question a lot, probably more from the salons or dentists, like, oh, are you industry specific just in this industry? Mm. To me, I don't think that matters as much because online in general changes their algorithms all the time. It's not necessarily, if you're a dentist, you have to go to a dentist person only. We also don't work with tons of people in the same industry in the same city because Google only really recommends the top three. 
So there's a part of the times that I have to say, I'm so sorry, we might not be the best fit for you at this time. And I don't want to just hire or have somebody hire me just to try me for 30 days because it doesn't happen overnight. You Mm -hmm. know, it does take some time. So I think those promises that people say, I promise you're going to get to the top of the first page. The only way you could really do that is through the Google paid ads on that top of the monopoly board. And the trick is, as long as your budget's there and how much budget and keywords you're going to get. But there's really no guarantee that somebody can show up. And so when somebody uses those words, I promise, I guarantee, usually it comes with a long-term contract. You sign your life away. There's some fine print that has to be like a 60-day, you know, tell us you're going to cancel before it auto renews. We don't have contracts. Now we do have some agreements. You know, we do work with, we talk a lot about the small, medium-sized business, but we do work with a lot of the franchises um, or emerging brands that have multiple locations. And so when we onboard multiple locations at the same time, there are sometimes we have agreements in place, but typically most of our services are always month to month with absolutely no contract, you get Rob. So the reason why Rob and I are partnering together, it's not just about me. I'm the first face. So I'm local. It's nice. We don't second source any of our services out at Rev Local. So just like, you know, you come on board, you might get a Rob in your life. Rob works with everybody under one roof at our corporate office. So if you hire Rev Local, you truly hire Rev Local. Helps with better customer service, better response time. You know, you have that one point of contact. It's not an 800 number. And if Rob's ever allowed to go on vacation, the one time a year I allow him to, no, I'm teasing. You know, he has a team behind you, behind him that actually knows your business too. They have weekly meetings. And so you do have a team aspect. You do get your direct lines, your emails. That's what I think I would look for if I owned a business for what I've seen over the years. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, I've seen it all over the last nine years. But those are probably the things that stick out and the community. I mean, that's the best part about me being local is most of my clients are local. I get referred out to different, you know, cities and states all the time from a niece or a nephew. But again, it's still that relationship that you have with that person. And you're speaking to that person at least once a month where it shocks me on how many people have a marketing and all they do is get emailed analytics and no one even explains to them what they're talking about. Before we spoke today, I had one client and he goes, oh, I think I got that email and I'm going to explain what they're doing with another company because they're under contract because they don't actually sit there and go over those analytics. So that's what I would look for if I was a business owner trying to find a marketing company. Yeah, I think having a partner is so important. So I actually had kind of a funny thought when you were talking earlier about dentists. So the funny thought that I had was imagine if dental work was software, like, you know, you had a tooth that was bothering you and it would tell you, oh, this tooth needs a root canal or you can have it removed. And then you can make that decision yourself, which I think is kind of terrifying. But that's essentially what people are doing with with their businesses and their finances with marketing is they're giving these choices. Software is telling them, well, you could do this or you could do that. And then with the click of a, of a button, the choice is made and they mm-hmm. may not fully understand the reasons why one choice would have mattered more than the other. So you really need somebody who does know those things, who can then guide you down that right path to say, okay, well, let me help you understand. If you make this choice, this is what could come of that, or here's what you're going to need to follow through with that. Or you can make this choice. And then I can also give a recommendation to say, here's where we think you should go with that strategy and those types of things. So, you know, 
that's kind of how I I kind of lost my thought there. So sorry, but it's all right. We'll oh, we'll yeah. come back to it at the end so you can fill in <laughs> if you remember. Yeah. Well, let's keep moving on. So thanks. When y'all dig in with with a client and you start putting together a strategy, what are the most important messages that should be included in a company's marketing campaign? Yeah. So a lot of people focus on the features or the method, the methods, like the what. This is what my business does. This is what it can do for you. This is what you're getting. But nobody really focuses on the why. Like, why are we in business? You know, and I said this earlier with people want their the companies that they purchase from to stand for something other than profit. And it matters so much that there is an important why behind why the business is is doing this and what the customer is getting out of it. Like the feeling that they get for helping the community by supporting that local business. So it's not just because I can get it for a few dollars cheaper here. It's because this business is going to do something that maybe I couldn't do, but that I can support through, you know, my support of them. So I want to keep them going so that they can keep what they're doing going. So I think that why element is probably one of the most important things that can be uh, communicated through your marketing messages. And I'm so happy that came from somebody other than Zach and I, because <laughs> we harp on that all the time on this podcast. But so and we were we both, you can't see us, but we both had our hands up. Yeah. Tracy, anything? Yeah. I mean, it's, I said it earlier, you know, what I do and why I do it is because I'm passionate about helping that small businesses. You know, I have my kids on my phone case. People always ask me why I'm like, that is my why. You know, I want to show them that, you know, working mom and a working husband can still have balance for your family. So I think that's another reason why people hire us. You know, it's their why, you know, they can't do everything that we do. So they want to be able to have their passion, their value, you know, how they create that value for a business is through their why. So Bottom line, some of the important messages that a marketing campaign should have, just bullet point it, is all about your brand. Andy, you've talked about mm-hmm. it a couple of times. Consistent messaging, super important, especially in Zach's field as well, is you know the consistency. You know, story, tell a story. People buy into a person's why. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a new restaurant in town, and he wants to be that most iconic spot because he creates value in their business. That's why you see a lot of restaurants now doing more farm to table because they believe in healthier food and better options and supporting the local communities and the farms, your reputation. You know, I talk about it a lot with you guys and our networking groups and things like that. Um, You know, 87% of people pay attention to the reviews and, you know, over 80% of those people pay attention to ones that are recent. And then also Mm -hmm. if you're engaging with your clients. So it's great to have all of this why and what, but if you're not really engaging with your audience, it's not really, you know, helping build your value, Mm -hmm. which is no pun intended. It's the wittiest I'm going to get. But I mean, that's really (laughs) what that value is, I think, to a marketing campaign. It's all about the why. Love it. So one of the things I really harp on with my customers, particularly if they're brand new to the business or been in it less than a year and so forth, is the importance of marketing. So if you're if you're just starting off and you don't have a lot of revenues or no revenues at all yet because you're just getting started, the, the tendency, 
is to really focus on the nuts and bolts of the business and marketing sort of goes off in the left field. And what I like to harp on them about is you've got part of cost of doing business and starting is communicating to the marketplace who you are, what you offer, what is your why, uh, what value you're going to offer to the marketplace, what problems are you solving for the customer, possibly, and those type of things. And marketing is huge and should not be overlooked. It may be a little financially painful in the beginning, but the key element to success and you starting off well is the marketing. So could the two of you sort of speak to that point? What would you advise somebody who's just starting a brand new business about the role of marketing and how important it is to their success in getting launched? So it's all about the foundation to me. You got to build a foundation. So just like building a house, you got to build the foundation Mm -hmm. first, then you build your house. Sure, you could build it too fast, like a game of Jenga, but it's going to topple down. So sometimes people say, I want to, you know, throw everything I have into marketing, but sometimes it'd be too fast. So slow and steady wins a race. You want to kind of see what industry specific on how fast and how aggressive. So even with some of our paid ads, we call it conservative, moderate, aggressive, because it just depends on certain industries. Mm -hmm. But I think the foundation builds that value. It's really your spirit that drives the heart and soul of your business. It's a foundation of your assets or your liability. You know, if you don't do it right, it could be a lot, it could be, you know, hurting your business. So without mentioning any names, I met with a business owner who's creating a new business. And he didn't want to start any marketing until his website was done, which I get that a lot. Hey, I want to have a website. That's great. Like we talked about 12, 15 years ago. But if you type in the name of his business right now in that local map section, it's showing three of his competitors. So as he's advertising and maybe doing some print little flyers to talk about his business or his business cards, or he's in a networking group and somebody goes and looks at his brand or his foundation of it, it's actually steering them to three of his competitors. So I always say before you have that coming soon sign, people are going to start stalking you online. They're going to be like, what's this new business? And sometimes a name doesn't always say what that business actually does. And so you want to make sure that you're validating that brand right away. And it's super important going back to the constant messaging and everything else. So starting with that Google My Business page, uh, we recommend four to six weeks out. Doesn't happen overnight. Google has to send a postcard. You have to go through some validation processes. This is where my passion comes in. As cheesy as it sounds, we hold that client's hands through this entire process. And so, yes, we will start slow and we can add those services as they open up their business. But to me, you're the new kid in town. So if you're a restaurant, yeah, you're going to get tons of business in the beginning. But what happens after that newness wears off, right? right? And then you also want to be more proactive instead of reactive with the messaging that you're going to bring across the channel. So your hours of operation, clearly you're going to change in the beginning for a business. Your menu may change. So that inconsistencies that are online, if somebody's not taking control of that, it really can show an inconsistent you know, message to your brand. 
And so that's where we come into play with reviews, reputation, keeping up with that. And again, you need to be proactive in the beginning with your marketing instead of like, oh, I'm going to wait and see what happens in the next 90 to six, you know, 90 days to six months. But you also have to think you're the new kid in town, but you're also the new kid online. So it takes a while to validate that brand. And so you wait three to six months, you're waiting three to six months longer. And I think that's probably the biggest misconception. So we're coming up to seasonal business. So a great example would be like landscapers. Yeah, they're not cutting the grass as much anymore, but maybe they're going to install sprinkler systems or Mm -hmm. they're going to do lighting of Christmas. Well, they wait until October thinking that on November 1st, they're going to be number one. It doesn't work that way. So again, it's that steady foundation, but that's where I come into play with more of the education mm-hmm. and not the sales. With that too, I really like the foundation analogy because if you aren't building your foundation, your customers will lay those bricks for you. So if you don't go out and create a Facebook page for your business, Facebook or a customer will automatically create that page for you, which means there are people who are checking in, leaving reviews, And you may not even know that it exists because you haven't gone and created one first. And so Facebook has automatically created one, or like I said, a a customer has tried to check in and then generated a page. Uh, Same with Google My Business. So, you know, Google will automatically create a profile for you once it recognizes that there's a new business in the area through other directories and and things like Facebook has created a page. Google, that can send a signal to Google to create a, a business listing. And again, If you haven't built that foundation yourself, then you have people leaving reviews, you have no control over the information that's on there, or it's going to take a lot of work, a lot more work than if you had done it yourself or worked with a partner to help help build that out for you. So again, your customers will lay that, that, that foundation for you if you do not. But also... I think it's important to do these things as early as possible too, just because these things pay dividends over time. You know, having that structure there, that foundation of a Google listing or a Facebook listing, allows you to have that information in the right places so that when people are looking for you, so that novelty of the new businesses or the new restaurant has worn off, like Tracy was talking about. So now people are actually having to search for you. Have you heard about this place? Oh, no, I didn't, or I haven't been there yet, or they're so packed, you have to do reservations. Like, how are they going to find you? So it's going to pay dividends for you to have that information already created so that it exists when it's, when it is needed. And, you know, you can't just thrive off of this novelty of the the new place in town. So, so with that, I mean, we get in the marketing, we get in social media, we have all the marketing pieces in place. What it, what do y'all see is the relationship between the marketing aspect and then lead generation for that client? Yeah. So, I mean, most simply one brings them to the door, one brings them through the door. So that's probably the easiest way, you know, you can understand that. So marketing is going to be how you get them there. But at the end of the day, it will be up to the business owner to actually convert that person into a sale. Yeah, so it's it's mostly a try me out, right? Here's the product services we offer. This is the value that we offer. And we invite you. It's like an invitation. We invite you to come engage with us and right. have an experience with us. And hopefully through that experience, you then get a sale. Right. And even though I laid it out that way, there is some crosstalk that happens there too. So, you know, if the lead generation isn't working, you know, maybe 
the people that are coming to your door aren't qualified. Well, there's some optimization that that we could do on the marketing end to say, okay, well, maybe we're attracting the wrong people or we're telling mm-hmm. them the, the wrong information. So we need to tweak those messages to say the right things, to attract the right people. Uh, so that way the sales can do its job. So there definitely is some overlap in how those those two pieces work together, that feedback loop. Yeah, so I would, you know, we, we actually did an, an episode recently on this, uh, something I really harp on with my clients that are just starting businesses and they're building a business plan is the assumptions. Mm-hmm. What assumptions did you build into your business plan? So marketing affords you the opportunity to start bringing in customers and have those experiences and either validate or invalidate those assumptions that you had in your in your business plan. And if you don't have the marketing to bring those people in through the door, you'll never learn. You, you may not do proper learning. You you are going to learn something. You're going to learn that you really need marketing. But, <laughs> you know, once you do have the marketing and you have those people walking through your door, have those experiences and you're asking the proper questions of the customers during that experience gives you a wealth of information that you can then use to validate or invalidate your assumptions. And it kind of is a perfect question to kind of sum up that third one. So Mm -hmm. you're found, you're chosen, you got to be easy to work with, right? Mm -hmm. So as much as you want to do the positive keywords on a business, sometimes you want the negative keywords. So I have a flooring company that does sells carpet, flooring, anything, and then also installs it. But right now there's a lot of companies out there that are, you know, trying to get rid of old inventory of carpets. So they don't particularly install something that they're not selling. And so you need a negative keyword, the installation side of it, because you don't want to just be found under carpet installation. You want to be found under flooring. So again, it's that negative keyword. I always use the example, Zach, if you're craving pizza today and Andy wants lasagna and you search for Italian restaurants or pizza restaurants and they say they serve pizza and they don't, you walk in, you're an unhappy client. So it goes back to, again, that messaging, that brand, making sure all of that is correct. Um, totally aging myself, but you know, walking through the door example, that's what it is now. Online is your window front. You know, my oldest is 19, my youngest is 16. So I would walk them through a mall and I would go into that door if it was a cute shirt or a cute dress. Or if my kids saw a lollipop in a candy store, they're going to scream and they want to go in the candy store. So whatever their window front was, drove that person to walk in their door. Mm -hmm. So our job is to get them to the door and then certain lead generations help them get them in the door. Mm -hmm. But that's what is happening online. So you look at your online presence when somebody's found, how are they going to be chosen? Is it because of photos? Is it because of reviews? And then they click to the website to get them in the door. So your window front of your storefront is now found online. And so that is a really big part of it, you know, making sure, you know, with COVID, it was a great thing that Google did. You know, you had that little triangle and says COVID hour, you know, COVID might affect hours, whether or not they're requiring masks. Are they COVID friendly? Are they different features on there? Those are things that you look for. Holiday hours. You know, we just had Labor Day. You know, hey, before you drive to this business, it may be closed in a half an hour. I know that sounds so simple, but it's really a great thing for that business owner um, to put online and keep track of so they don't make unhappy clients before they actually even walk in their door. So we're running to the end of the 
episodes. And before we get to our last question, if somebody wanted to engage with Rev Local, maybe possibly become part of the Rev Local family, what's the best way to be a lead, so to speak, and come to Rev Local and have that that experience? What's the best way they could uh, accomplish that? Absolutely. Rev Local is a national company. If you want to kind of get to me first, you can always reach out to me. Andy could give my information. You could search Tracy Moore on Rev Local's website. I pop up. You can email me at Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y-M, for more at revlocal.com. You can call me. I'm available at any time. All of our consultations, you know, conversations is really what I like to say, just like we're having now, a conversation of listening to your goals. They're free. I mean, I do this every day. This is my favorite thing. And I'm honest, you know, I've turned down clients and said, I just don't think we're going to be a good fit. You know, I want to make it work Mm -hmm. for you. I want to, you know, upheld my value in the community too. So it's not to me just about selling you something. It's really about setting those correct expectations and really trying to see if we can meet those goals. So I love to have those conversations and then can also reach out to Rob. He'll probably pass it on over to us first. He's busy a lot of times with the clients on a day-to-day basis. So I'm more of the face-to-face on the local front. Rob's behind the scenes. Rob makes all of that magic happen. And Rob's not around. I might take credit for some of it. Yeah, usually <laughs> you're... So at least the way Rev Local does it is you're going to get Rob, as, as Tracy refers to it. So a strategist that's specific to your industry. So there are certain industries that I work in. So if you know, you're know you coming on and you, and you fall in that vertical, you may get me. But if you're you know in other industries, you're going to get somebody who knows that industry, has worked in it, mm-hmm. and has a team around them that understands it. So Google nerd. But I was trying to be nice. You get a Rob. I love it. I love it. So... Every time we have a guest on our podcast, we like to wrap it up with with one question. And Rob, Tracy, this goes for both of you. And there is no wrong answer. But what does generate your value specifically mean to you individually? Yeah, so for me, it's it's mindset. So I fall back to the, you know, how do you materialize things in your own life through that that positive thinking or through having the the right frame of mind or mindset to do the work and get the work done. So it's about self-responsibility. It's about having a certain amount of, of control or, or addiction in your own life. So for me, generating your value means it's something that you have to go and do uh, and create for yourself. And falling back on something I said earlier too, you know, building that foundation and creating dividends so that that value is compounded over time. Yeah, I 100% agree. And we've touched on value a couple of times throughout this conversation. I think the value that I bring is that I'm local. I like to say I'm trustworthy. (laughs) You know, you want to trust somebody. Integrity. I say it a lot. You know, it's hard to say marketing, integrity, and ethics all in the same sentence, but I believe you can with Rev Local. So, you know, I can help clients that are on my son's lacrosse or football team or in my networking groups or neighbors. And again, it's making sure that they trust me, that I add that value and that passion to them. It's not just they're a client of mine. They are part of our Rev Local family, like I said, and we're a big piece of them. You know, we're inside their company, 
um, working for them too. So we take pride in our work for our clients. If they're not successful, then we're not successful. So to me, I think that's the value that we bring or I bring. And then what Rev Local brings is that integrity part. It's not just a dollar sign. You know, value can mean the value of a cost or a good. But to me, value means so much more. And it can mean so much more in so many different things. It's how you raise your kids to be polite and well-mannered or good team sportsmanship, especially in sports. You know, a servant leadership could be another option. There's so many different ways to bring that value. But to me, I think it's the fact that it's not just a client. You know, back in the day, nine years ago, my manager used to never say how many clients that I get get today. It was more, how many new friends did you make? And to me, it is about that friendship first. You know, I really do take pride in helping my clients. You know, I've been through a lot with them through COVID. You know, when the governor shut down Georgia, you know, we don't have any contracts and, you know, my phone blew up and they're like, I got to pay my rent and I got to pay my mortgage and I got to pay people. And I'm like, it's okay. You're not under contract, but we don't want to throw away everything we've done. So Rev Local was fortunate enough to be able to work with those clients, especially the industries that shut down for six weeks. And I think that's the value that, you know, Rev Local brings. Again, it's not just about signing that contract and selling every, you know, service in our toolbox per se. It's really just bringing that extra value. And I think that's why I love what I do every single day because I get to work with people like Rob and 150 of of Rob's up in our corporate office. So they're my family away from my family. And I'm proud to say that I work for a really good ethical marketing company that focuses on their clients, not just themselves. Well, I think that's part of our big message on the Mm -hmm. podcast. Uh, what you were saying about clients, your relationship with clients is and going back to Rob's answer about mindset. I had a mindset that I was a life coach and not a boss, right? There's a human human aspect to it. There's that, how many friends did you make today instead of how many clients did you get? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a mindset and, and an approach to life and business aspects. So It's true. I mean, my boss is my boss, mm-hmm. but she doesn't even like that title. She doesn't even want a title. She's part of our team. She's there for you, even all the way up to the president, the CEO, and the founder. You could call any of them at any time. And there's not a lot of companies that if I had a question, I could just reach out at any given time and they would drop what they're doing for you. Mm -hmm. They, you know, I know the families, they know my families. And again, it's cheesy as it sounds. We're a family business and we hold that client's hands through everything that they're going through. And that's really, I think, what sets us apart back to that other question of marketing from the other marketing companies out there, because there's a lot of them. And, you know, everybody has their own niche in the world and there's plenty of room for everybody. I always recommend go to other marketing companies and, you know, hear what they have to say, you know, because I challenge that. I mean, that's what we're here for. Yeah, and I I definitely see myself as like a, an advocate for the client as well. So not just being their strategist, but also helping guide them to those right decisions. So somebody will say, hey, I want to do paid advertising. Like, what kind of budget do I need? But there's been times where I've said, well, actually, I don't think that that's the best choice for you. I think you don't have the foundation 
to do say ads on Facebook. You don't have any content on there. Let's let's do something else that's going to make more sense for you and build that foundation so that when you are ready to do something more aggressive or another strategy, you have, you know, what's behind you. So for me it's not just, you know, oh, well, how can I upgrade this client or, you know, get, you know, increase their monthly payment to us or anything like that because they're going to cancel very quickly when they discover for themselves that they're not on the right strategy. And they're going to find out very quickly when they're not getting the leads they want or that they thought they were supposed to be getting. So being able to tell them, no, that's not the right choice. Like you should do this, I think is important. And, you know, it's part of that partner aspect and the, the advocacy that a strategist can provide. All right. So that's going to conclude our episode today. We greatly appreciate uh, the two of you coming on to the to the podcast and sharing your experience and knowledge and yeah. mindset and attitude. So what do we always ask people to do at the end, Zach? As always, help us generate more value and spread it throughout. Go ahead and follow us and hit that subscribe button. And if you have anybody that this episode would be a great a great listener, any of the other episodes, give it a share specifically, send people our way. Mm -hmm. And as always, you've got the ways to find us coming up in our outro. So we hope to speak with some of you soon and we will be right here next week. Next week. We hope you have a great week, a great day, and you're out there generating your value in this world. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online on Instagram at The Fitzpreneur, Facebook, and LinkedIn. For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for Generate Your Value on those platforms. Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value in this world. Mm-hmm.